0: Benvenuto a Cars Yeah, mostrì il numero nove.
1: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah.
0: Hello automotive enthusiasts. I'm very excited to introduce my special guest today, Tom McDowell. Tom, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I'm absolutely ready, Mark.
0: Great. It's great to have you here. Tom's business background is in finance, film and television production, and investment banking. But an early introduction to something called an Alfa Romeo sparked a passion for cars that later ignited Tom's involvement in an amazing event. Tom is the president of the internationally known Concorso Italiano, an annual automotive event that takes place this year on August 16th during the iconic Pebble Beach Concorde d'Elegance and Monterey Historic Races. This year, Concorso returns to the rolling hills of Black Horse Golf Course in Monterey Bay, California. The unique format features over 800, I said 800, Italian vehicles in a relaxed atmosphere that includes delicious food, Elegant fashion, music, art, and of course, lots and lots of Italian automobiles. Take everything ever made in Italy from fashion to Ferraris, sprinkle it with some red wine, slather it with sunshine, top it with the elegance and fun, and you have Concorso Italiano. And you can find out more about this at www.concorso.com. Tom is also president of the Desert Concorso, which will debut in Palm Springs, California in 2015. And you can learn more about that at www.desertconcorso.com. So, Tom, I've told the listeners a little about you. So, would you take us back in your life and share your history, your business, and most importantly, your interests and your passion for automobiles?
1: Sure, Mark. No, no, that'd be great. Um, I was actually born and raised in California. And uh, as any automobile enthusiast knows, the, the car culture in California... Probably is the largest and most enthusiastic than anywhere else in the world. It has something to do with probably with the population and the geography. How things are so spread out, but cars are are just paramount importance. Everything from hot rods to some of the most exotic cars in the world. It is mecca for enthusiasm. And I grew up in, in a family, very large family. We always were involved in Volkswagens and. Um, and, and not so much on the enthusiast front, just functionally, uh, because the, how else do you transport five kids uh, around and go on camping trips without a large car? And that Volkswagen van, or several iterations of them, uh, was very important to our family. But as we were, my older brother and I, we were the two oldest in the family uh, of the kids. And as we were entering our high school years, uh, my brother was always uh, always extremely mechanical and had interest in everything. In fact, he took Caparta a little two stroke uh, lawnmower, power lawnmower, uh, just to see how it worked and put it back together. And it actually ran better when it was all done. And uh, it, it, so, dad sort of watched that. And, and then uh, we have a cousin who's a tremendous automotive enthusiast. He introduced my father to this thing called Alfa Romeo. And um, dad sort of caught the bug. And I I don't know if that was his midlife crisis, but that was the extent of his midlife crisis was the Alfa Romeo. Thankfully, that was the extent of it. My brother caught the passion cars from from my as dad had spread the contagion uh, to his kids. And uh, my brother first started my brother, Mike, first started with MGBs and then he went to an MGC. And then he said, Time Tom, it's uh you're gonna get a car, let's let's figure out what kind of car you're gonna get. And Dad and Mike uh uh helped me with the decision process and ended up buying the shell of a nineteen sixty four MGB. It had no engine, had a had a non synchronous transmission, and needed some extensive body work, and I bought it all for a hundred dollars and in hindsight I probably overpaid for it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> And, but but it was a great education and a very frustrating education and anybody who's been involved in British Leyland cars and Lucas Electronics particularly can understand that uh, and appreciate the frustration I had in trying to rebuild that car and, and it looked great and it, it when it sat in the driveway it was spectacular car I get it out on the road and occasionally it ran extremely well and occasionally it didn't run at all so Unfortunately, I was never able to predict uh, when it was going to not run so well. It was, and as frustrating as that was, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, but but that that was my foray into cars, and and then then I, I mentioned large family, and the the contagion spread through my siblings too. And today we're all involved in the Concorso Italiano, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But. Um, it's very much a family event, and we've we 've gotten involved in cars, uh, some more than others, and there was a time I strayed from cars, just having cars that were purely functional but but uh, i I'm, I'm, I'm back into it again and really enjoying the experience
0: well british cars uh, that 's what really started my passion life too. My father had a nineteen forty seven m g t c when I was quite young, and I remember riding around on that little platform behind. He and my mom and my sister and I sitting up on that little platform and, of course, no seatbelts and bugs flying in our eyes was great. And in high school, I really wanted to buy this uh, MG from a friend. And my dad said, well, for your first car, do you want a car that you can actually drive or something you're just going to be working on all the time? <laughs> so I ended up with a uh, an old Chevy, which quickly evolved into a Carman Ghia. So uh, I understand the British car phenomenon. So take us a uh, little bit ahead uh, into maybe a little bit of what your businesses were like and then how did you evolve from that into running what by far is the best Italian car show in the world?
1: Well, I, I never was involved in the automobile industry outside of being a consumer of automobiles. Right out of school, I went into public accounting and in California, you need about two years to accomplish the experience necessary to become a CPA and I left the CPA world at two years and one day. I, I didn't like public accounting, was, but I went straight into the, from public accounting into the entertainment industry and got very involved in film and television production on the finance side. I wasn't on the creative side. And I, I did that for almost 10 years, really enjoyed it. But uh, at, at one point, my wife and I decided we, we looked at where we were living. Our neighborhood was what a realtor would call evolving neighborhood, except it wasn't evolving in the right direction and we thought um as as the production company I was working for was closing down our the real estate issues we were wrestling with we decided let's go for a life change and we moved up to the northwest up into the seattle area and that was back in the early 90s and we've loved it up here but when i came up here got involved in investment banking and had a great run about 15 years focused on mergers and acquisitions and we finally sold sold the investment bank and i was doing some consulting and my former partner asked me if I would help him evaluate this company because the owner was looking to sell it. And I thought, wow, well, okay, okay. And it was um, Concorso Italiano. And oh, I went, goodness. <laughs> I, I went in there and I saw the magazines on the shelves and and um, I I saw the sports car market and my cousin is the publisher of sports car market. And I thought, well… This is interesting. Let's let's help this guy. I think this this thing should be uh, fairly easy to sell. But the more I evaluate the situation, the more I realized I don't want to sell it. I want to buy this thing. And I didn't realize
0: Keith Martin is your cousin. I didn't know that.
1: Yes, yes. Keith is my cousin. He's the one who uh, who infected. Our family with that Alfa Romeo thing I mentioned earlier. In fact, there was a trail of grease leading from our garage to our to our kitchen uh, through the family room, and uh, my mom always referred to that as the Keith Martin trail. Is just blaming him for, for for what he the trouble he caused our family and and uh, it, we, we you know I, I, I just looked at this concourse and said I want to do it. Now in hindsight, I don't know if I'd make that same decision again.
0: Now why is that?
1: Well, it it I I just at Concorso had fallen on some rough times. They'd made some unfortunate decisions, and I looked at it and I I was aware of all this, but I grossly overestimated my ability to restore the event and how quickly it could be done. I I just thought thought maybe I walked on water. I'm really not sure what I was thinking, but it it was a much longer and more difficult slog than I thought it was going to be. Nonetheless, we've made a great run since we we stepped into Concorso Italiano. While we have finally restored it to, I think, where it needs to be, it took a lot longer than I thought.
0: Well, I've I've heard that from many people. Oh, let's put on a car show. It's so easy. No, it is not easy at all. It's uh, I was involved in some very small events in my past, and uh, oh my gosh, it's an amazing amount of work. And and you've done an amazing job with. I've attended that event. Since its very first debut, and I saw what was going on with it, as many people did, and when you got involved, I'll say, you really turned the car around, and it's really become a spectacular event. In fact, I'm going to be buying my tickets this weekend because I just learned that I'll be able to come down, so uh, bravo to you.
1: Well, thank you, Mark. It, it, I can tell you there's been a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears, um, and, and anybody who's operated any kind of a business certainly understands that it's never just an unobstructed path to success. It's, it's, there's, there's always kind, all kinds of challenges, and uh, a, a car show, Concorso Italiano, is no different. It, but one thing I can say is I've never had more fun doing anything than I have with the Concorso Italiano.
0: Well, that's so great to hear. That's wonderful. Let's move into a part of the conversation that I really enjoy, and that is a success quote. Take a journey with you down your path, and specifically with Concorso, but could you share with our listeners a success quote that really means something to you? This is a really great way to get those inspirational tires turning, so take the wheel, Tom.
1: Well, Mark, I don't know it, how inspirational uh, this quote is. It was certainly advisory um, when I was involved in investment banking and and my partner you know we had some people telling us that this is not a good idea um, the market's not right and do you realize what you're getting into and my partner said Tom ignore the naysayers because and and the, the issue was the market was right and at least the way we saw it and it, and it worked out very well and so I, the, the, now that doesn't say, you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and do it all over again. It's nothing like that. Um, but ignore the naysayers, because there's always going to be nine people telling you there's something you can't do when you know you can do it.
0: That's a w- wonderful quote. And I've heard that over and over with entrepreneurs. When you have an idea for something new, and I'm going through that in my life right now, after 20 years working for a company, now I'm doing something completely different. And when I told people about podcasting and interviewing people and trying to inspire people that are automotive enthusiasts by talking to inspirational automotive enthusiasts. I have people that kind of furl their brows and say, what on earth are you doing? And so, yes, it's scary. And you have to ignore the naysayers, listen to your heart and your passion. And that's exactly what you did. And things seem to be going really well for you. So thanks for sharing that. Tom, how have you incorporated that saying into your life and your passion for cars. And how has that avoid or ignore the naysayers affected you as you've moved forward with Concorso? Have you just, do you just say, well, forget them, I'm going to do it? Or
1: You know, it's, it's a good question, Mark. Um, uh, certainly, the naysayers are there and they're loud. They're very vocal and they're going to try to beat you up and tear you down. It's not to say that there's Bad advice in the naysayers because it can't dwell you know there's chat rooms there that didn't exist 20 years ago and you can read the chat rooms and my goodness they there there's 150 opinions and and 148 of those opinions are quite negative it's not to say though that even in those negative opinions that there there may be some suggestions that you can glean out of that that perhaps are the right thing to do but if you react to every negative opinion out of those 148 negatives, you're going to be turning 148 different directions. And, and that just has you running in circles. But I've, I've found that if I spend too much time in a chat room, it's not good for my emotional and mental health. Um, you know, no, nobody needs to be told continually you can't do something because sooner or later you start to believe it. So you, you have to avoid that as much as possible. There have been times, though, where you feel really beaten down, and then you just get one more person piling on and you think you're going to snap. Fortunately, I've been surrounded by some very good people, very, very optimistic people, very supportive people, and including a very good staff at Concorso and prior to that in investment banking. And I've got an extraordinarily – support a family going back to our childhood our siblings have stayed close and um, we all support one another very well and it's not to say everybody agrees with one another all the time and we're all marching in lockstep but at the end of the day um, you have to surround yourself with people who will be supportive um, and, and offer sage advice but at the end of the day it's optimistic advice and they they love you and they support you and that's very very important
0: that is wonderful advice to remind people is you really do become who you surround yourself with and make sure that you keep that circle close and tight but at the same time you're right it's good to listen to your customers and learn a little bit about them and, uh, but just don't let them get under your skin too much will you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars that pivotal moment that made you realize that you were an automotive enthusiast and you said man I really am a car guy.
1: You know, Mark, I I, I, I mentioned the MGB. And, and while I enjoyed the experience of rebuilding that car and the frustrations that I also had, and it was a wonderful education – taught me about the reliability of cars. I needed to get from point A to point B, and that MG just sometimes couldn't get me there. Now, this is ironic that I may be citing now a a 1970s Italian car as the pinnacle of reliable reliable transportation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right.
1: (laughs) My parents had gone out of town. My MG wasn't running very well, and I didn't know that it would get me the 60 miles I need to go. So I ended up taking my dad's Alfa Romeo out, and it ran perfectly. Now, it didn't always run perfectly for dad, but that day it ran perfectly for me. And not only did I get to where I needed to go, but I had extra time on the way home, and I took some mountain roads. Now I was driving a little bit too fast around some corners and and, uh, went off the road a little bit. No no harm done, but it was such a thrilling experience on that mountain road in that Alfa that I thought, there's there's something a whole lot more to cars than I ever experienced with this mg and that alpha had had turned me that the top down beautiful sunny day in the in the the San Francisco Bay Area on a mountain road above santa Cruz I thought if this if this is what true automotive experience is, I want a whole lot more of it and it was that, that now if my father had known I'd taken the car taken on that mountain road, I'm sure he would have had shared some thoughts with me. <laughs> It was a great experience, and I, I realized I really like cars and I like driving them on something other than a straight highway or a freeway.
0: Well, that's wonderful. You know, it's usually that uh, moment when those kinds of things get into your skin. So, Tom, I wanted to take a, a trip down a little different road here, and this is sometimes, in fact, most of the time, ends up being the most important part of the show because of the lessons learned. But I'd like you to kind of get under the hood, get your hands a little dirty, and share with us. A really huge challenge you faced, maybe even a huge failure, but more importantly, how did you overcome that, and how did you roll out of that situation? And the uh, near off-road experience with in your dad's Alpha doesn't count.
1: Yeah, no, no. Um, I, I guess the, the sort of a, a, a life or a business challenge is the Concorso Italiano. When we stepped in in 2009, the event was on its heels. And it turns out there was a competing event going on in Monterey that that day. It popped up as a result of the discontent about where Concourse was headed. And I was called every name I could think of, and so many parts of the human anatomy, some of those parts, I didn't even know what they were. I had to look them up. I I noticed when you refer to somebody as some part of the human anatomy, it's rarely in a flattering way. it, It was really frustrating. I had to. They, it was at that point where I it brought me back to the earlier quote I mentioned. Ignore the naysayers, and, and I tapped into some people who I don't know if they'd been through the war, but they had a steady hand, and they helped me out. And we had to quickly explain who we are and what we're trying to do. And it was uh, not dismissing the critics. It was saying, I know we've done wrong. We came out with what I w- hope was came across as a very humbling message in that, I know what we've done wrong. I know what we need to do to fix it. And please stick with us. You've had long faith in Concours. You take almost a personal ownership or a personal stake in the event. Just stick with us because we're going to do right. We're going to bring it back to the the very fond memories that you have of the event, not not the more recent memories that aren't so fond. That 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 was that was a huge challenge. And I thought we'd be done with that in about three months after the first, and then the first event, and people faith would be restored. But but no, I was quite wrong. It was going to take a lot longer than that. And I think we're finally here. We are five. Years Years later, I thought it would take three, four, five months. It's taken three, four, five years. But I think we're finally at the place where people are, are having confidence in what we've done. They may not like everything, but they've got confidence that at the end of the day, we're going to do what's right and keep it an event that they so fondly remember that they want it to be, that it's a fun day. And not, not to dwell too much on concoursa, but the challenge was trying to redirect the message and the public perception that um, we were just in it for business. It was nothing about the passion of the cars. And trying to hammer home the message that, we're, that we want to make it the fun car event that features cars and automotive personalities – That was a very difficult message to continually deliver. Easy message to deliver, very difficult message to get people to accept. And I think we're there, though.
0: I believe you are there. And as a customer of that event and an attendee, and this was before I really knew you, I remember those tough years. And it was so frustrating as a spectator because, but you did a great job of handling it because I remember that. I don't remember the exact words you used in the messages, but it got through to me and gave me enough faith to come back and. I'll tell you right now, uh, the last few years have been really spectacular. I've had so much fun attending. I take my son every year. It's a great father-son bonding experience. I meet so many people. The attendees are so wonderful. So uh, kudos to you. Bravo. Bellissimo. You've done a great a great job. Tom, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd like you to share a story when you had an aha moment with Concorso that time when you realized that, you know what, this can really work, this can really be a good thing. Tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success.
1: Ah, uh, uh, I, I guess when there was, a, there was a very famous designer named Leonardo Fioravanti, he's designed more Ferraris than anybody else. He had started his career with Panin Farina, and he, uh, he he designed the 288 GTO, uh, um, uh, the, the, the Dino um, and it's so many different models uh, at Ferrari and iconic models as well. We brought his sons to our 2010 event uh, no I'm sorry it was our 2009 event they laid the groundwork in 2009 we brought so and then they they sent they went home to to uh, Turin to the family and told their father um, how great the event was in 2009 frankly I didn't think it was that great but they enjoyed it and they and we invited and featured Leonardo Fioravanti in in 2010. And he had a spectacular time. I, I ran into him towards the end of the day. Of course, I'm tired and he his eyes are just sparkling. And he looked at me and said, I never believed a celebration could be this much fun. And I want to thank you for the bottom of my heart. This has been one of the best experiences of my life. This is a man who's experienced quite a bit in life and quite some very exciting things in the automotive world. And for him to say that to me was tremendously awe-inspiring and very humbling. Because I, I that that we were able to bring that kind of enjoyment to a man with the with the wealth and breadth of experience that he has was my aha moment. And that's when I realized, I think we're on to something. I think I think we can make this something into something really special.
0: That was a special aha moment for sure. That's That's marvelous. You talked a little bit about your first car, but maybe we could go back there for a minute. What kind of fun did you have with that first car? And first, remind our listeners what it was. What kind of fun did you have? Maybe trips, modification, adventures, special memories you had with that car?
1: Well, you know, I, I mentioned that the the nineteen sixty four MGB was was a very frustrating experience, but in reality, the only frustrating experience was was an unreliable fuel pump. But when that car ran. And, when, and and it, it ran quite well most of the time. And when it did run well, it was a sensational automotive experience. I lived in a very good weather location in, in uh, South San Jose, California. And there's more often than not, you can put the top down in almost any month of the year and drive around and have a great experience. And I would take that car all over the place. I, I, usually not more than about 200 miles from home, but I would take it all over the place and uh enjoy the the wind blowing through my hair i had hair then (laughs) so did i and and uh you know if it was a cold particularly cold day i turn up the heat and put the tonneau cover up if i was traveling by myself and there was this little warm pocket of air inside that convertible car and to be able to experience the road it was able to sit low to the road and and feel all the bumps for better for worse feel the bumps and the and the curves in the road it was an experience that i i one, to be able to learn about cars i didn't know the first thing from a piston to a muffler um when i started the process and i learned quite a bit about uh engines and and motoring and so it was a wonderful educational experience plus i was able to say that i built that car it was a great experience you know just everything from the bearings and and tuning the wheels and Put in a new engine in it uh, and, and in a synchromesh transmission every, every, and, and, and even the carburetors, which were very frustrating in, in MGs, but just to be able to put all that together. And then that first time when I turned the key and the engine roared and there was no muffler and the, the neighbor started complaining, but I didn't care. It was, it was, I, I had achieved some level of success with that car. It was my first time out. It was a great experience. And then finally, to be able to take it out for for a drive and, and to the point where it, it I even had put all the lights on, so it was street legal. It was it was a, an experience I've never had since, maybe just because it was the first experience. I don't know what it was. Being able to drive a car that I built and being able to drive it in the way I wanted, not get too many tickets and drive it on some of the many mountain roads that were around. I look back so fondly at that experience that I haven't been able to replicate that experience since.
0: Well, maybe you need to go buy another MG, huh?
1: (laughs) Well, maybe something different, but but yeah, I I certainly want that experience again.
0: Well, wonderful story. I could hear the passion in your voice, and I'm sure the listeners could as well. Let's talk a little bit about seller's remorse. Is there a car in your past that you've sold that you really wish you never sold or you could get it back?
1: You know, Mark, no. I don't think so. Um, I, I've, I've never looked at a car. I, I've always looked at it as a possession and a fun possession, but never um, as something I loved where I didn't want to part with it. And I, that, that probably sets me apart from most of the car enthusiast world. Um, I, that MG, I've spoken about it quite fondly here, but even that one, it was it was frustrating. I guess if I had remorse, it was that one because I should have hung on to it maybe a little bit longer and gotten a little wiser and more knowledgeable about the electrical system, perhaps, been able to fix it. But that's the closest I've gotten to a car where I would be remorse. I've I've bought cars, I've sold cars, and but I've never never embraced a car. So something I love and I have to maintain. There are a few I've had my eye on where I perhaps if I had bought them or if they were even available, I might look at that. I might revisit the seller's remorse question, but no, I've, I've, I have i can not say that I've uh, got remorse. Uh,
0: is there a current project right now that has you really fired up? And I, I kind of think the answer is going to be the desert concorso. And this might be a great opportunity to let people know what's coming, but if it's something else, that's okay. But what's got you fired up right now?
1: There are two things. The Desert Concorso is still a little bit farther away, and so we're excited about it. But I'm, I'm not, I am not—I don't have time to get fired up about it right now. We're working on some things for Concorso Italiano. One of them is uh, – everybody's familiar with uh, the famous Italian designer, uh, Zagato. And they've oh, – over – I think this is their 95th year this year. And over those 95 years, they've developed some sensational models – um, primarily Italian, but not exclusively Italian. But um, oh, the, the, the designer world in Italy is changing, and Zagato has changed with it. Uh, rather than going out of business, as some of the designers have, design, uh, Zagato is going quite strong, and they have changed and they've they've developed cars and w- what we are calling their contemporary collection. It's a very limited number of cars, whether it's Aston Martins or Ferraris, M- Maseratis, um, very limited number of cars that they design and these cars have not been seen. And people have seen the old Segato cars but they don't see the contemporary ones. So what has me excited is trying to get a collection of those those one-off or very li- limited number of Zagato cars and bring them to Concorso of the Summer, and we're we're getting really close to landing oh somewhere between six to ten of them, and these are cars that for the most part have never been seen before by the general public. And so, if we can pull that off, and we're really close to being able to do it, I, it, it it will be a lot of fun. That's what has me fired up.
0: That yeah, sounds like it does. That's great. Do you have a favorite way that you like to spend? Time with cars in your garage, so to say, is it wrenching, detailing, restoring, or is it just pure driving?
1: It's driving. It's driving. I, the wrenching cars are much more complicated today. The, the mechanics are are still manageable, but then you get into the electronics, and it, it's it's much too sophisticated than any car uh, testing equipment that I have. I've, I've sort of, I've I've moved into the driving part, and the driving is. And I live in a, a community that has a wonderful. About 13-mile, a uh, very twisty road that runs the perimeter of our island, and it is a spectacular drive. So it, it makes the driving experience far superior to anything I might do in the garage.
0: Well, I live up here in the Northwest, too, and, yeah, there's some great roadways up here to uh, take your car out on and, and enjoy, for sure. Tom, this is one of my favorite parts of our talk. I call it the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Be passionate about your car. Just buy something that you can afford and be passionate about it. Get something and enjoy it.
0: Perfect. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success?
1: I would say sort of a tenacious persistence and never letting go until I've achieved what I want to achieve.
0: That's great. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners, either a website, maybe restoration shop suppliers that would be beneficial to them?
1: well it, there's no single website um, or or restoration shop resource that that I can think of that I sort of my go to place it's people. people are a wealth of information. And I can tell you that there's this gentleman named Keith Martin, a uh, publisher of Sports Car Market, who is my cousin. Um, he is a tremendous resource, and talking with him is always entertaining, and it's always informative. And it, it's just being able to talk with him, there's another gentleman named Donald Osborne, and one more named Michael Lynch, a famous automotive historian. All three of those gentlemen are, are tremendous resources for me, and always, every time I talk with them, a pleasure to talk with. Even if it wasn't about cars, it's a pleasure to talk with them.
0: Well. Well. Well, I'm trying to track all three of those gentlemen down, so maybe I can use you as a conduit to them to get them on this show. I know Keith is so busy with everything he's doing and his new TV show. I may lean on you to uh, get some phone numbers for me, all right? Okay. All right. Is there a book that you've recently read that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Well, it's. uh, I'm not sure that anybody would be interested in in the books that I read. Generally, I don't read automotive books. I I read... uh, 19th century English literature. I'm just fascinated by 19th century English literature. Now, this next comment will be a little emasculating, but um, I do I do enjoy, enjoy reading um, Emma. And Pride and Prejudice. Now it's great literature. Granted, it, it's my son talked about these books and just a bunch of women worried about when they're going to get married. Uh, frankly, I just find it great literature. So, so the short answer to your question is, Mark. No, I, I would recommend reading these books, but they have absolutely nothing to do with uh, the automobile industry. Well,
0: that's no problem. Uh, you're well-rounded for sure. So we'll make sure that we uh, we post that reference up on the resources or the show notes page. For the listeners, you can just go to carsyad.com and type in Tom McDowell and you'll find that up there. So, Tom, we're up to the checkered flag now and this is the last question. Sometimes it can be a, a real challenge. I call it a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, if this is something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, what would it be and why?
1: Oh, Well, it would probably be an operating concept car. You know, there are two that I've seen. I've had good fortune to go back to some of the designer museums in Italy and. Actually, both of these are coming out of the, uh, well, there's one came out of Zagato. There, there's a Diotto. I'm going to get to the one answer that you're looking for. There was another car, the Lancia Strato Zero. It's no longer owned by Bertoni, but sitting in that car was quite the experience. This is the car, enthusiasts may know that this is the car, very wedge-shaped. You enter from the front of the car. There's no back window. If you just look up Lancia Stratos Zero, you'll see that there's a very futuristic design for its time, but even today it looks very contemporary. That was a great car, and there's another concept car called the Alfa Romeo Pandion, P-A-N-D-I-O-N. And I think out of the uh, sexiest Volkswagen I've ever seen at the DiGiaro site, at the DiGiaro Museum, the DiAto at Zagato, the Pandion and the of Stratos Zero. I think I'd go for the Pandion. That that would be my car. Sorry, long answer for a very simple question. The Pandion, without a doubt.
0: It's not a simple question for a lot of people. Once in a while, someone will just go, I've got it, boom. But most of the time, I hear answers like you've shared. It's a very difficult question. That's why I made it the last lap, because sometimes that last lap is the hardest part of the race. So Tom, you've taken us on a great ride today and I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing all of your stories and your passion with us. If you would give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset and then let them know what the best way to find out more about your event and then we'll say goodbye.
1: Well, Mark, first of all, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been a real pleasure and it's always a pleasure talking with you. You're welcome. Probably the one piece of advice is if you find something you like, to see if you can make a living at it because there's nothing better than doing something you like and getting paid for it. So it, I guess at its heart, that, that would be called follow your heart. And as talked about earlier in this conversation, ignore the naysayers, because if, if you're really passionate about something, there's a very good chance you're going to be able to make a living out of it.
0: And then how can our listeners find out more about your events?
1: Well, the easiest way is just going to our website, concorso.com, C-O-N-C-O-R-S-O dot com. Then we also have the Desert Concorso, which is desert and then concorso.com that one's a little farther away the, the the one we're working on and the one that's getting all the activity right now is is the event in monterey this august concorso.com and that's august 16th august 16th we moved to a saturday so that that's a big change for us but yes saturday august 16th down on seaside at bayonet Black Horse in montessalon
0: it's a beautiful place Listeners, you can find all the links we've talked about today at carsyad.com slash Tom McDowell, or just enter Tom in the search bar, and it'll take you right to his page and all the links of everything we've discussed. And as I said, I'm going to be buying my tickets to Concorso Italiano today, so I can't wait to get down there and enjoy that. Thanks, Tom, for being so generous with your time and your expertise and sharing all your experiences with our listeners. I had a wonderful time. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Ciao.
1: Ciao. Thank you very much, Martin.